Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. As you've already heard, we are updating, uh, getting an update from uh, Paul Douglas, of course, and Jonathan Lowe. We'll keep keep you posted on the weather tonight. Uh, Make sure that you pay attention. That's important. My next guest I'm excited about because, of course, the number of women working in STEM-related careers is on the rise. That makes me so happy. But according to the Census Bureau, women still make up just 27% of the STEM workforce. In physics, the number is even lower, where females are outnumbered four to one. Females should say women. Goodness. <laughs> Julie Hogan is a professor of physics and engineering at Bethel University. She's here to talk about the importance of women's voices and perspectives in this area of science. Thank you so much for joining us, Julie Hogan. Really appreciate you being patient. Thanks. No problem. Physics on display tonight in the weather. I tell you, my goodness, and forgive us if we have to break in for more weather. But I want to start out by asking you about um, your background and how you have been led to this incredible um, movement of STEM. Well, I am a high-energy particle physicist. Uh, And what that means is that I like to study the particles and the forces that make up our universe, especially if we're talking about, like, right at the beginning of the universe, which sounds very abstract, um, but involves much more hands-on work than you would think. Uh, so I got my graduate, undergraduate uh, and PhD degree in physics, and then I joined an experiment at the CERN laboratory that's in Switzerland uh, to do research. So I wasn't actually even sure that I wanted to be a professor until a friend of mine, we were eating lunch, and he tells me about you know an opportunity to apply at, at Bethel, where I'm working now, and I decided to give it a shot. You know, I was like, what, what's the worst that could happen? So I gave it a shot, and uh, I have just loved the chance to work with students and teach them physics. It's super motivating to watch young people get excited about the things that I love. Um, How young, young are we talking? Like How I young? Yeah, like what sure. ages are so you teaching? I uh, will, in fact, we start class tomorrow morning, and so I will have a room full of probably about 17 to 19-year-olds. Wow, that's awesome. Bravo. <laughs> they need it. We need it. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. Um, why do you feel the like like the number of women in physics is so low? Because it's been low for a long time, but now it's eking up. How low is it confer- uh, um, considering the, the numbers of men that are a part of STEM? It has been low for a long time. You're exactly right. I was just reflecting that uh, actually the, the percentage that you were mentioning, four to one, uh, is is basically accurate, and that's not very different from when I was in college, um, which was shock, <laughs> shockingly to me already like 15 to 20 years ago. Um, and so, so it's it's on the rise, but very slowly. And we're already seeing that in our college students, our undergraduate students, we're seeing that four to one ratio. Um, so this is coming from choices that young women make when they're teenagers, when they're in high school, uh, and part of that is going to be awareness. People are drawn to what their parents do. People are drawn to what they're, you know, what they see adults doing around them. 
Uh, and then part of that is, is probably also very driven by just not feeling part of the group, not seeing yourself in the group. Um, yeah, you know, here's the thing talk. for me, yeah. forgive me for interrupting, but here's the thing for me. I That's get so fine. frustrated um, when young women are discouraged to get into STEM and discouraged mm-hmm. to learn more about physics and move up and up and up so they can get those high paying jobs that bring mm-hmm. them such joy as well. Um, it's frustrating. And that's what I'm concerned about. We are seeing an increase. Yes. But will we continue to see an increase in these young women mm-hmm. that really, really want to be a part of STEM? Well, and one of the things we've that to, to that point that we've heard is is that talking to some of these women who are in, who are coming to college, what they're drawn to uh, is wanting to make an impact on people. They want to help people, uh, and that's a repeating a repeating phrase we hear over and over. I want to help people, uh, and so when you look at STEM disciplines like biology or social sciences, the ratios are often much better. There are many more women able to participate um, equitably in those fields. And so one of the things we have to do as physicists is work on helping people understand that you can help people uh, through physics. Like I I was actually thinking these storm chasers they were just talking to (laughs) probably studied a lot of physics. And now here they are helping people avoid the storms. Um, Anytime you go, (laughs) you go out and you have an x-ray. Have you ever had an x-ray at the doctor? Well, that doctor and nurse are the ones, you know, helping you with your problem. But the engineers are the ones who designed their machine and software to take that x-ray for you. And the particle physicists 130 years ago who discovered an x-ray just doing fundamental experiments in a laboratory is what we have to thank for that all these years later. So uh, you can still help people, but it's a little less direct. Well, this past summer, I believe, you, you led a group of students and alumni as you participated virtually in the 10th anniversary of the Higgs discovery. Could you tell us what that's about? Absolutely. So we, uh, you know, it's one of an example of one of the opportunities that that you can have as a as a college student studying physics. Uh, uh, About 10 years ago in high energy physics, we uh, discovered at the CERN experiments a particle that we call the Higgs boson. uh, And it's kind of the capstone of our current model of all the particles and forces in the universe and how they hang together and interact with each other. So for us, that was just a humongous milestone. Uh, and the fact that we're already 10 years out from that is it was just jaw-dropping, and we had to pause and celebrate. So we had students, uh, faculty members, um, alumni call in on Zoom with all of the other United States universities who work on this same uh, same experiment. That's like that's like 50 universities. Um, so wow. we had a huge number of of uh, institutions and, and people joined on this Zoom so that we could hear hear lectures and reflections and things about about this particle. It was really exciting. What do you think you could possibly do to help these young people once they get involved and they love it, love it, love it, until someone starts mm-hmm. discouraging them or maybe they don't have as much time or maybe they're getting distracted with other options? Um, what would you say to them to help th- keep them going up and further when it comes to STEM. This is so important. And and by the way, I look at those Google doodles all the time, and I am <laughs> amazed when they're talking about women from 100 years ago who were mm-hmm. big in physics. We never heard about them. I mean, when I was mm-hmm. growing up, I didn't hear about all of these women doing these great things, but today young people are hearing about women doing great things. So what would you say to them now to keep them on the track? Absolutely. I would say two main things. I would say, first of all, 
if this is something you're excited about, lean in. There are so many research opportunities. There is no, uh, you know, women do not need to feel behind the ball game in in doing active research, especially when you're a, when you're a young college student. Um, just this summer, I was, you know, my experiment, uh, the CMS experiment, has added two internships that were specific for uh, groups who are underrepresented in physics and other experiments in other fields of physics are doing the same thing. So, so the opportunities are out there. Uh, lean into that and recognize that doing those types of things is going to build so many skills that are transferable to getting a job. So don't ever worry that you can't get a job with a physics degree or an, or, well, not many people worry about that with an engineering degree, but, uh, but even with physics, People are out there wanting to hire uh, students coming out with the skills in, in programming and critical thinking and problem solving that you get from doing research in physics. And the second piece of advice I would give is to get a mentor. Um, you know, find, a, find other students to keep connected with. Find a professor or a teacher that you trust who you can just, you know, talk to, get advice from. Find a mentor. Are there um, teachers that are skilled in making sure that they stay on top of students that are absolutely uh, involved in wanting to know more and more about physics? Or are we really challenged by not having enough counselors or enough teachers that know enough about physics to really stay on top of it? Because the older these students get, the more they're going to know. And maybe um, it may be difficult for some of the teachers to stay on top of that. And if so, if it is hard to hold on to them or what what they're learning now, what do we do about it to make sure that they stay on top of it? Hmm. Well, I would point people. I would point people to their high school physics and and other science teachers. Um, I mm-hmm. think those people are are very, uh, you know, their voices are are not heard loudly enough uh, in our right. field. Honestly, my my first and most important mentor in my becoming a physicist was my high school chemistry teacher. I was open with him about my interests and my excitement, and he recognized that it was not chemistry but physics, and so he like did a lot of work to get doors open for me. Um, so I think your high school STEM teachers, they have a lot to offer in terms of helping, and they have a lot of connections with the universities in their area so that they can help students uh, get where they need to be. Julie Hogan, you are quite remarkable. I am honored to have you on tonight. Professor of Business and Engineering at Bethel University. Congratulations. I hope you continue to love it. It's a lot of work and you seem to be up for it. So I hope to join, okay, have you great. join us again in the next year, okay? All right. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.